0: So, this morning, we are still in our As Family We Go series. And I told you guys when we started this thing about five weeks ago that we would discuss the different parts of the family, and then we would see where we're going. So, this morning, that's, um, the subtitle of this message is, Are We There Yet? Now, anybody who's ever made a trip with young children is very familiar with this question. Um, There was a a cartoon show in the 80s uh, that involved a a bunch of little blue figures, and they had a leader. His name was Papa Smurf. And whenever he would take them anywhere, they would ask this question over and over. They would say, are we there yet? And he would say, not yet, not far now, until finally he would just get a little exasperated with them and be like, and yell at him. I can't remember what he yelled at him, but anyway. The the point is, the the question was often asked, are we there yet? And so we're going to look, after having gone through the roles of husband and father and wife and mother and now children, where we go as a family. And we're going to do it uh, by looking at a journey that the children of Israel took And we're going to begin in Deuteronomy chapter 9. Now, this is not the very beginning of their journey. Uh, If you read back, all the way back to Exodus, we see that the children of Israel have become enslaved in the country of Egypt, and God has sent Moses to rescue them. And even though Moses does come and, through the power of God, rescue the children of Israel, there is still a journey to go on um, before they reach their promised land. And they they win some battles, okay? And they do a lot of grumbling and complaining. There's a lot of reference to why, shouldn't, why couldn't we have just gone back and died in Egypt instead of dying in the wilderness. Um, but we get to a point in their journey here in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 9 where God gives them a command, and I want us to look at that just briefly. So again, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 9, and I'm going to begin verses 1 and read through 3. It says, Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today and go, into, go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven. A people great and tall, the descendants of the Anakin, whom you know and of whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak? Therefore, understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and bring them down before you, so you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said to you. What we see here is that God has put the children of Israel on a journey. They are a family, okay? So he has instructed this family that they are to go into their inheritance. But in order to get them there, he has to prod them along. They actually reach a point where they've come to the river, okay? Now, you have to understand that ancient Israel is divided by the Jordan River. And all of this time, they have wandered on the eastern side. And this time, God says, it's time to go. It's time to go west. You got to cross the river, and you got to go into what I've told you to. And they've kind of rebelled against that. You know, they said, "Look, these these sons of Anak—they're huge. You know, we've we've heard that these guys are eight and nine feet tall. They're covered in armor. I mean, they're just—they seem like insurmountable objects, and we can't defeat them." so we're just not going to go. And God says, you are to cross the river today. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Today is the day that you will go and do what I have told you to do, just like a father will tell a child. You will do what I've told you to right now. That's what he's saying. Right now is the time to do what I've asked you to do. But I'm not sending you over by yourself. The way the Bible describes God here, that he will go forth as a consuming fire, um, it it brings to mind the fact that fire cleanses things, okay? And so God is going to go in front of them and cleanse the land just like fire would. Not fire would, but just as fire does. Um, it's to completely clear it out. If a fire runs uncontrolled, then it destroys everything in front of it and makes way for something new. That's why they do controlled burns out in the managed forests out west so that they can have new life come from a path of destruction. And what God is saying here is that I am going to help you cause a path of destruction. We're going to tear down the old. We're going to do away with those strongholds, those things that we think we can't overcome, and then we're going to place new life here. And it will be transformed. So that is the beginning of the journey that we're talking about today. That today, we must cross the river. We can't wait anymore. We can't stand around and grumble. We can't live in fear on this side of the river. Today, we have to cross over. So now I'm going to turn your attention to the book of Joshua. We're going to go to chapter 24. going to go Joshua chapter 24, and I'm going to begin in verse 13. It says, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them, and you eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river. And in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, when we read this passage in Joshua, what we have to understand is that it has been seven years of struggle and then seven years of separation where they have divided up the spoils of the victory that God has handed them. So effectively, from Deuteronomy chapter 9 to Joshua 24, we've passed through 14 years. Okay, And the victory's been assured, and now they're dividing up the land, and before they divide up the land, Joshua says, you can be stuck in your past, and you can worship false things. You can mentally still be on that side of the river or even back all the way in Egypt Or you can serve God who has done all of this for you. Yes, we took the cities, but we really didn't labor. We didn't build them. We didn't plant these fields that we're eating from now. God did all of this for us. And so we can worship him and we can trust him to be who he says he is and to do what he says he will do. Or we can live back in bondage across the river. So in 14 years, they went on a journey. And I'm sure all along the way, they've asked that question, are we there yet? So we say in chapter 24 that they finally reached their destination, but once they reached that destination, now it's time to put it into practice. We have to choose what we're going to worship. Are we going to worship this land that God gave us, these things that were made by the Creator, or are we going to worship the Creator Himself? Even after God takes them through this whole journey, He still gives them that choice. And we still have that choice today. We can still choose to serve ourselves, when we can choose to serve God in everything that we do every day. When we go on a trip, there's a lot of things that have to happen. We don't just normally don't normally just jump in a car and go right now there has been a trip or two that we have taken as a family where we just packed our bags and jumped in the car and went but we still packed our bags we still made some preparation we put gas in the car okay so there are things that we do before you go on that journey Um, most of the time you make reservations right you want to know where you're going you want to know that you have a place to stay that when you jump in the car that's not where you're staying for the week um, so you make a plan, all right? You plan, you decide where you're going to go, and then you call a hotel and you make reservations with them, okay? And then you you make a deposit, right? Because they're not going to hold your hotel room for nothing. Oh, yeah, I'm coming, I promise. The business doesn't work that way. So you make a plan, and then you have to make payment, okay? God had a plan for the children of Israel, and then he required of them some payment. He didn't say, I'm going to go before you and destroy all of your enemies, and you're not going to have to do anything. He said, I'm going to go before you, and then you're going to come in, and you're going to take this land I'm giving you, okay? So we have to have action to go along with us following him. It's not simply a passive following. You can't just let God do everything, okay? He does expect you to work for his kingdom. So after the payment, then we usually have a list of attractions, right? We prioritize that time that we're going to spend away. We say we'd like to go here, we'd like to do this, we'd like to eat there. We have all these things in mind for when we get there. And so then before we leave, we pack, okay? We, we make sure we take our toothbrush, our toothpaste, our hairdryer, our makeup, all the clothes that we're going to need for the time that we're going to be away. We make preparation for the trip. Okay. Then there's the actual journey. And then the actual journey, most of the time, is not usually that fun. I just case in point. Uh, we took a trip to Amarillo last summer. Uh, and it was not fun for me on the journey. Once we were there, it was great. Once we were back, it was great, Um, but I have an innate fear of flying, and I was on an airplane with my wife and two daughters, and that made my fear that much greater um, because I was concerned for their safety. Um, uh, On the times that I have been on planes before in the past, uh, I overcame that fear simply by saying, well, if I'm gone, at least they're still taken care of, but that lack of control and often in life we have that feeling of lack of control and we can't stand it um, that's kind of how I feel on an airplane full of my family um, so but we pushed through okay? so you have to push through on the journey you can't just stop there was no point when once we left the ground that I could go up to the pilot and go hey can you just stop right here and let us off this is as far as we really want to go with you we'll just take a cab from here Right, right. And 36,000 feet feet—it's kind of hard to get out and th- hitchhike. So even when the journey becomes hard, we still have to push through. And then once we get at, at the end of the journey, there is the destination. Okay? And often in life, we think as a Christian that the destination is what? What's the destination that we're looking for? Heaven. Some say salvation, some say heaven, okay? And if that was the destination, then it'd be a pretty good place to end up, okay? But making it to heaven is not the point of this journey. The point of the journey is to build the kingdom, okay? Just getting in, just getting by is not enough. And just like we do all of these things, a trip that we might take that's going to last a week, God expects us to do these things in this journey we call life. So we have to have a plan. We have to have a plan. We have to decide where it is we want to go in the kingdom and how far we're going to push the boundaries. Payment's already been made. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us to be able to take this journey. But then it's going to take some sweat equity from us to get there. We have to prioritize. Life is very busy. Joe said it right this morning. It's a crazy world, and we are go, go, go. Uh, Just this week, um, we had the opportunity to make some priorities that didn't make my children happy, one of my children happy. Um, She was invited to a travel softball team. And I approached both of the coaches and said flat out, up front I want you to understand she can be part of your team, but she will not ever, ever play a game on Sunday or practice and play on Wednesday because we are here for a purpose, and it comes before everything else. And she wasn't very happy about that. And the coach said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You know, we'll just play one-day tournaments, and then maybe in the future when we get to two-day tournaments – you can just leave her with somebody else. And I said, no, I want you to understand up front, church comes first. She will never play on a Sunday. And if that means she can't be on your team, then she can't be on your team. Because as a family, where we're going requires our priorities to be in line with God. And he comes first in everything and every decision that we make. And it has to be that way. We can't live this life without that as a priority. Because if we don't have the priorities right, then we don't have anything right. Then we have to make preparation on this journey in life. That involves coming on Sunday. That involves coming on Wednesday. But that involves being in your word every other day of the week. It involves having an active prayer life like we talked about for the husband and the father, and the mother, and the wife, and the children. My children can't live off of my Christianity. They can't walk my walk following Christ. They have to have their own. And so it is ultimately my responsibility to train them for that. That is the preparation. And I can't just leave it to me as pastor. I have to take that role as father. I have to take that role as husband, as parent, For my whole family. Because ultimately, when I stand before God, He's going to ask me, as the leader of my house, about the preparation of my house. And then we have to push through. There are days when we will come against the sons of Anak, and they will seem like they are much more than nine feet tall. And they will grab onto us, and they will try to cling to us, and they will tell us that we are not who God says we are. And they will make us feel less than what god has said we are which is his children we are loved beyond measure but there are days when we don't feel that way and we have to push through on this journey we can't fall back into what we used to be what we used to have what was over on the other side of the river Because, see, if we're going to take this journey and we're going to start today, then once we cross this river, there's no looking back. It's not going to say that we're not going to stumble as we walk forward, but we're going to continue to walk forward and not turn around. Because he's going to go in front of us. So we're going to follow him wherever he goes, wherever that takes us, even if it's into a place that makes us uncomfortable. Even if it takes us to a place... That makes us unhappy. Because, see, the destination is the important thing. Our job as Christians is not just to get to heaven, but it's to build the kingdom. And the way that we build the kingdom is to take people with us. So we're going to collect people as we make this journey through life, and we are to point them towards Jesus. Paul says, Follow me as I follow Christ. And that's what we should live our lives as an example of. Follow me as I follow Christ. And when I quit following him, you keep following him and then reach back and grab me and pull me back in the line. That's why it's so important to have community, someone who will hold you accountable, someone who will say, your priorities are out of whack. We can sometimes give of ourselves so much that our priorities get out of whack. That everything else becomes important. So let's just be clear what the Word says. The priorities are this. God, spouse, children, everybody else. In that order, without wavering. God comes first. If you're married, your spouse comes next. If you're not, the one that's going to be your spouse comes next, so you better be on your knees and on your face every night and every day asking God to prepare their heart to meet yours at a place that says he is number one. Okay? So God, spouse, then children, those are the ones that you are directly responsible for. Yes, you will answer for whether or not you witness to your sister, your brother, your mama, your daddy, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles. But as parents, we will answer directly for what we teach those who are assigned to us to steward. So the destination is the expansion of the kingdom, and sometimes we stall. Sometimes we wait on this side of the river for somebody else to push the boundaries. And then we'll come in behind them. And we get to a place of complacency, even inside the church, where this is comfortable. We know everybody, right? We, we've all had children spend the night at each other's house. Now we're comfortable and <laughs> sometimes too comfortable. But we get to a place where we're like, this is good. Good is the enemy of great. God has called us to so much more than to just have it good. And sometimes I think on our way to the destination, we think this is good enough. Now, I'll tell you, I've been guilty of having several opportunities to invite people to church. Okay? And I don't push this a lot because. Inviting them to church um, isn't the end goal, all right? But this house is never going to grow beyond the four families that are here until we are reaching out to everybody we see and know. And not just with our words. They're going to have to see Jesus in us, in our families, in this journey in order to even want to come here. So, where are we going? As a family, we need to ask this question where are we going? Is each member in our family living up to the standard that God has set for us? And if they're not, then some things need to change. But the way that change is going to come about is not by me constantly telling one of my daughters you're not living right you're not living right you're not living right it comes from me loving her the way Jesus loved me even through all her mess I had to learn this the hard way even in the moments when she stares me in the face and says I hate you with everything in me and I never want to live with you ever again That instead of responding from my flesh, I have to respond from the grace that I have been given. And when people begin to see that, that interaction between us as family, that something that is different, that they don't see in the world, that's not that screaming, flailing mama in Walmart that's beating her kid to death up against the buggy, but instead it's that mom that responds with grace. Why does your house have so much peace? How is it that your children respond to you in a way that I have never seen children respond before? And it's because in our house, we will serve the Lord. That one's not optional. The whole household has to line up. And sometimes that means we have to submit. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, children to parents. It means that we have to take our will and bend it towards His will. And we have to turn our ego away. It's hard. Yes, it's hard. Jesus told us this life was going to be hard. He told us that in order to get where we were going, we were going to face a lot of trials. He never promised fairyland, candy land, whatever you want to call it, once we accepted him. He told us it's going to get worse. But in the end, it gets better. Because in the end, we get to live in the kingdom with him. And we get to take our family with us. If we're doing it right. And as a church, where are we going? Well, Right now, we've been sitting in the rest stop. We've been getting kind of comfortable and stretching out. The journey's been kind of rough over the last two years. Uh, We've been bounced from place to place, and it looks like we're going to be moving again uh, in the near future. Um, We've had some families come and go, um, and a lot of stops and starts. But we've arrived at a place of complacency where we've just kind of began to sit and say, okay, we're going to take care of us. And if somebody else comes along, that's okay. But that's not what church is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be if somebody else comes along, that's okay. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, go and make disciples. So he requires action of the church. We're not to sit inside these walls, and we're not to only be church when we're here. So if we're headed for a kingdom... Then we got to start going. We got to start making some disciples. We got to start bringing people in. I've never been big about pushing the church as far as inviting people to come. I've asked you to invite some people every now and then. I've never been big about when we go out into the community doing things, about it having the church's name attached to it because it's not supposed to be about our church. Okay? But at some point, This church will never grow if people don't know where we're from. Instead of being a group that just meets together on Sundays and Wednesdays, the church is supposed to be a radical force for change. We are repeatedly called to battle in the Word, to win hearts and minds for Christ. And we can preach to each other all day long. It's fantastic that we have some guys who have volunteered on Wednesday nights, beginning at the first of the year, to, to teach. Okay, We're showing some growth as a body. Okay? But we can't be satisfied with just growing amongst ourselves. That growth has to lead somewhere. There has to begin to be a transformation. We have to cause it. And if we're not causing transformation, then we're causing stagnation. So in order to be the instruments of change, we have to make sure that we're not just doing this because it's easy. It's supposed to be hard. Living this life he calls us to, of submission to him and to each other, is supposed to be hard because it goes against everything our natural flesh wants to do that's why paul says that we have to crucify ourselves daily this is a daily struggle and we can't allow it to overcome us because jesus told us he has already overcome all of it but too often we can't press the fight to the enemy because we're too busy fighting amongst ourselves And that usually comes in some form of, I need position, or I need to be in control. Just like that airplane story I told you about, that's my biggest fear, is that I'm going to lose control of a situation and I won't be able to protect my family. But while if an intruder comes into my house, it is my God-given duty to stand between them and my family. Ultimately, God protects my wife and children. He is the ultimate source of everything. And when I can line my mind up with that fact and understand that his plan is perfect even when I don't understand it, even when I don't see every step of it, even when I don't know what's coming around the corner, then I don't have to live in a place of fear. I don't have to stand on this side of the Jordan and look out across the east and wonder what it might be like. This call to arms is not comfortable. It's not a a call that says, let's all get together and do some dramas and some music and go home. It says we're in a fight, and the enemy doesn't fight fair. And it's a dirty fight. Now, we fight from a position of victory because it's already been won. But we still have to fight it. We still have to do this every day. And the way that that fight becomes easier for us is to make sure that we have our priorities right. As a family, if you put God first, he will bless you. As a church, if you put God out front, he says he will draw the people to it. So when we go out and we tell people, I'm a member of Faith Harvest Christian Fellowship, make sure you're putting Jesus out front. If people know this is where you go to church, then you better not be acting like a devil. we be out there screaming and hollering at each other. Don't be hitting each other. we will be throwing shade on one another. I'm not supposed to use those new words, I'm sorry. Because the Bible says our, our speech is to be uplifting to each other. And I know it seems like a lot of my sermons come back to this. But this is the most dangerous weapon we have for good and for evil this spot on our face that opens up and words come out of Because you can build someone up and help build part of the kingdom or you can tear it down and leave their lives in ruins where they wallow in misery and self-pity and say, nobody loves me. When they begin to believe the lie it will it will drain them. So let's make sure that we're working the plan that God has set in front of us. That we have accepted the payment that he gave for us. That our priorities line up with God, spouse, children, family. Let's continue in our preparation. If you can not miss a Sunday, that'd be great but don't miss your daily devotion. And don't do it in private. Even if you don't share it with your family, let them see you do it. Be the example to the rest of them. Push through on this journey when life gets hard. Know that God says he'll be right there beside you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he goes in front of us as a consuming fire. Just as when David stood in front of Goliath, what seemed to be an insurmountable odd, when all the other children of Israel cowered in fear, David said, my God is bigger than anything. And you will not mock him. You will not stand against him. So that when we arrive at the destination, Jesus looks at us and says, well done, my good and faithful servant, instead of depart from me, for I never knew. A lot of Christians are going to hear that last statement when they stand before God. Because to them, it's a cultural thing. My parents were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. So I'm a Christian. I go to church, so I'm a Christian. But they never live this life, they never walk this journey, they never cross the river they stand there and watch everybody else do it or they start it and when it becomes uncomfortable they hold in place and they back up until it's comfortable, so where are we going and are we there yet I would say for my family we're not there yet because we still have a huge plan in front of us. And I would say that for your family as well. I have seen a lot of growth, and I see much more potential. And I think all of us can. But let's not give up on the journey. Father, we thank you for your word, and that it tells us who you are, so that we can know who we are in you. And we thank you for The fact that you have laid out a plan in front of us. That you have shown us how to live this life and you have asked us to live it well. God, we ask that you would give us the strength on this journey that you would carry us through those times when it just feels like we can't even lift our foot to go forward. God, that you would always remind us that you are there beside us and that you go in front of us and that you protect our rear. God, we know in our hearts that nothing is impossible for you. God, a lot of times in life, there are things that seem impossible. Help us to prioritize our life in a way that you are always first and that everything else would fall in line. Help us to know that the preparation is up to us. That we must be in your word daily, that we must have an active prayer life, and that that prayer life can't just center around our needs and wants. God, we pray for our nation and our leaders. We are quick to complain about the things we don't like. God, we fall short when we come to ask you for your grace for them as well. That your hand would guide their thoughts and decisions. God, whoever may be elected in November, God, that your Holy Spirit would begin to draw them to you. Mm -hmm. That they would see that your life is the only life. God, help turn our nation back to you, whatever it takes. God, we ask that you would bless these people. God, that you would pour out so much blessing that it would overflow from their lives to others. And that always that you would receive honor and glory for everything that is said and done. We love you, Jesus. Amen.